Clancy Pasta presents My Mother and I Aren't All That Different Written by Shy Girl Turned Sassy I have some fond memories of my mother. Some, not a lot. She loved taking care of me. She loved taking care of just about anyone, regardless of whether that person wanted to be taken care of or not. I still remember hearing the sound of her voice first thing in the morning. Bartholomew, it's time for breakfast. Hurry up, Bartholomew. What's taking you so long? Are you still in the shower? Don't forget to clean behind the ears. Bartholomew, I made your favorite French toast and oatmeal. Hurry up, Bartholomew. I hated French toast and oatmeal, but my mother had decided that it was my favorite, and one would be wiser to shave a line with a rusty razor than to start an argument with her. So I would eat my favorite breakfast in silence, seated next to my father, who usually had his face buried in the newspaper. I suppose reading about rapes, murders, and the fall of democracies across the world provided a welcome distraction from his marriage. I would go off to school after she had spent at least 20 minutes combing my hair and setting it in a way that pleased her. My mother's loving nature would almost always present itself in front of other people, especially my friends. I use the term friends rather loosely here. They were just a bunch of boys I knew who bullied me less severely than the other boys I knew. She would fawn over me, fix my hair even when it needed no fixing. She would ask if her baby was hungry. If you wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich cut in the shape of a dinosaur. My mother's affection would provide my friends with bullying material for the rest of the week. That and the fact that I was named Bartholomew. This too was my mother's choice, of course. If it had been up to my father, I would have been named Herman after his grandfather. Not that Herman was in any way the epitome of coolness. But surely no other name could make one as irresistible to bullies as Bartholomew. My father, too, received my mother's love in equal measure. The phone calls would start as soon as he had reached the office. Mother felt the need to remind him a dozen times what he was to pick up from the grocery store that day. When we went out together, she felt a pathological need to fix his tie, or to touch his face and clean off invisible specks of dirt. Surely, a man who held down a demanding job at a college education, had real hopes and dreams for the future at one time, was completely incapable of dressing himself properly. No, it was up to her to make sure that we were presentable when we stepped out. My dad would bear all of this in silence. He would just sit there quietly, waiting for her to finish. Of course, the silence too would tick my mother off. Don't think I don't know what you mean when you just sit there saying nothing like that. For a long time, I believed that was the reason Dad left us. I didn't blame him for leaving. I just blamed him for leaving me behind. With Dad gone, I became the sole focus of my mother's attention, her only pet project. She was now on a mission to turn me into the kind of man she wished my dad had been. She made me give up one of the few joys I had in life, my Legos. She said they were for children, that I was about to become a man and needed manly interests. She wanted me to take up carpentry. I agreed half-heartedly, just to get her to leave me alone. Then one day, when I came home from school, a horrific sight awaited me in my room. My precious collection of Batman comics was nowhere to be seen. 
tales of the caped crusader that helped me escape my unbearable reality, my one comfort in this world, gone. I flew downstairs and confronted my mother. She was on the phone and told me to shush. My anger was boiling over. I had trouble breathing, and all this miserable woman could do was chatter away on the phone with some other woman? She finally ended the conversation and looked up at me. She gave me a disgusted look and asked, What's wrong with you? Anyway, I was just on the phone with Mrs. Normandy, and she invited us to... Where are my comics? I screamed, interrupting her. Not something she was used to. What? Those silly, childish things? You don't need those, Bartholomew. They're for kids. You weren't going to grow up and get rid of them, so I threw them out for you. Trust me, sweetie. You'll thank me someday. Anyway. She didn't get to finish that sentence. This monster had cast a dark shadow over my happiness, my dignity, and any sense of individuality I ever had since the day I was born. And now she took away my comic books. My fucking Batman comics. She just couldn't let me have this tiny bit of happiness. I saw red. I literally saw red. Red was everywhere. It was on the floor. It was leaking out of my mother's skull. And it was on my hands. And in my hands was the bronze laughing Buddha she kept on the mantelpiece. I collapsed to my knees and cried. I bawled. I howled like a wounded animal. The most honest display of emotions I had ever shown in my mother's proximity. In time, I was able to pick myself up. It was dark now. I needed to get rid of the body. I took the shovel out of the shed and began to dig in the lawn. The hole would have to be deep enough. Then I'd have to clean up the blood and get rid of the murder weapon too. Next day, I would call the cops and tell them I couldn't find my mom. I didn't get to finish that thought. My shovel had struck something soft. Illumination provided by the flashlight revealed that it was an arm. A human arm. A human arm attached to a decomposing body that had once been my father. My dad hadn't left me behind after all. My mother just got sick of him not living up to her expectations and decided he was too much trouble. I collapsed to the ground for the second time. Tears poured out of my eyes yet again, but this time they were of genuine grief and loss. And the strangest thought occurred to me. My mother and I weren't all that different. Internet privacy is becoming more and more important these days, and using a VPN in general is the best way to ensure you've got it. And ExpressVPN has everything you'd ever want and need in a VPN, and more. I've tried other VPNs, but once I started using Express months ago, I've never looked back. ExpressVPN works on nearly every computer, tablet, and mobile device, and contains a huge network of servers, over 3,000 spanning 94 countries, with great speeds. You can use it to unblock popular online services like Netflix and Facebook, and they value your privacy more than anything. There are no activity or connection logs, and they use PWC audited servers to confirm compliance with their privacy policy. They are just fantastic, and I could not be more happy to be partnered with them. 
So if you are interested in trying it out, you can go to expressvpn.com slash clancypasta or click the link in the description for three months free when you order a 12-month subscription. Using my link, you get an awesome deal and it helps me out a ton as well. Alright, so without further ado, here's the episode. Clancy Pasta presents Specs on the Calendar Written by J. Guzman, 59 I could not grasp the minuscule amount of sanity left inside of myself. The alcohol had only desensitized my thoughts for a few moments, but then it seemed as though the thoughts themselves were numbing my self-being, my ability to leave those events in the past and empty them out. What had led me here? What had made my mind dive into the chaos of sinful notion? Shards of glass were disbanded across the numbing concrete, with two labels near a rectangular shard that read Hendrix Orbium. 43.4% alcohol-induced gin was adequate to fill my head with cloudiness and gibberish tongues of past conversation. There she laid. A ginger set of hair sprawled on the floor like a mop. There was a nimble body positioned in front of my feet like an animal-skinned rug. My vision blurred from intoxication and it doubled every time my glance would hover over the body. I reached for the butchering knife hidden underneath my thigh. The blood trickled down the edge, and there was residual skin that was pierced by the tip of the vile instrument. I picked at the skin with my outgrown nails as I examined the piece of flesh with my teeth. I felt it. Nirvana pinched in my nerves and convinced my instincts of my innate cannibalistic behavior. I wriggled the piece of flesh in between my fingers until fixing my entire mouth over it. My eyes became wickedly crazed as they flickered with tension. I propelled myself off of the floor and motioned towards the body. Forging from my victim's fingers, I jerked at the girl's hand and attempted to lift the fingers towards my mouth. However, the body placement obstructed me from becoming fully capable of moving the hand towards my mouth. My animalistic behavior had obliged me to twist the elbow out of placement and thought of contorting it into a feasible position. The bone snapped with potent force, and it squirmed underneath the tissue as if it was a stick shifting side to side beneath a sheet of silk. I had finally been able to have the fingers meet my lips, and I circled the blood-tipped fingers around my lips from bottom to top as if I was applying lipstick with them. My mind came to an instantaneous decision and clamped down on the right index finger like a mousetrap. My mouth oozed out blood like a jelly-filled donut. I swallowed my savagery and hopped to my feet as I darted to the bathroom sink. I turned on the faucet and gyrated my head towards the ceiling as I aimed to wash away the penny-flavored blood from my tongue. I gargled the water until cleansed, as I thought. Like the alcohol... Would this too wash away my sins, or would it just drown out my immorality until eventually becoming overfilled with guilt? My mind ran in circles, as if cyclones and typhoons had invaded my personal peace. They created wreckage and rebel inside of my elusive thoughts. The first time was atrociously unbearable compared to this time, but in my eyes this was the only way. This was justice, a needful deed. I had already dug myself into a deep bottomless pit, 
and at this point it was either keep digging or be buried by my own devilish axe. And so I kept digging until reaching a state of mind that would leave me at ease. I wondered if there was anything at this point that could rescue me from all the transgressions I had accumulated. I lifted my head from underneath the faucet and grabbed a towel that was hung on a metal rod near me. I wiped my blood-spoiled hands until the towel had become drenched in vice. It reeked of depravity and tortured life. I forced my feet back to the body and took a deep breath. The last step. Just do this one last thing and you are done for good, Xavier. No more killing. No more hurting. No more eating. I gripped the axe and wiped the sweat off of my forehead like a windshield wiper. I teetered the axe north and south until finally swinging it over my shoulder and plummeting it into the ankle of the victim. The foot popped. It bounced around like dice on a craps table. Next came the thigh, and then the stomach, and finally the head. I opened up an opaque black plastic bag, swallowing the light from the closet. I emptied the children toys out of the bag until vacant. I then grabbed each body part with latex gloves and tossed them into the bag. The stench of the hour-old ghostly body crept into my nostrils as I gagged in repugnance. I caught my breath and returned to what had to be done. My righteous final stretch was on the verge of completion. I grappled the head by its hair and brought it up to my chin. Goodbye, sister. I should have done this a long time ago. I placed it in the plastic bag and tied a knot at the ends as I put my lifelong agony to rest. I heaved the bag across the concrete floor as it left a trail of success painted in red. I reached the right side of the room and placed the bag near three others as I fixed my eyes upon a monthly calendar that read, April. I pulled out a red marker from my back pocket and scribbled, Julie on the 26th. Written on previous dates and read Penelope, Daniel, and Richard for the 25th, 24th, and 23rd in that exact order. I then stuttered as I engraved my own name on the 27th and printed underneath it This is the end of the Speck family, a family built on hatred, abuse, and cannibalism. A family that was not human anymore, and in the name of humanity, I rid them from this earth. Yes, me, Xavier Speck, the youngest of the three, did what had to be done. May we rot in hell, and you live in peace. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>